On my way to church today, I was listening to an interview with the dad of uh, First Class Ranger Corey Remsburg. His is a story of courage. Many of you will remember that he and uh, his dad attended the State of the Union, and he had a chance to stand next to Obama, uh, Michelle Obama. And uh, in the interview, they were asking him, uh, the interviewer asked the dad, so you were able to help your son and nurse him? He said, yeah. Uh, he was in a coma. He had been arranged for three years in Afghanistan, hit an IUD a few weeks before he was ready to return home, uh, was severely injured. They thought he was going to die, was in a coma for months. And so uh, the interviewer said, well, were you with him when he, he came out of the coma? So he said, yes, but it wasn't like he came out of the coma and then he started talking. He said, uh, one day we were watching him, and then he opened one eye. And then two weeks later, he opened another. And then a week later, he moved his arm. And it went on like that for about four or five months. And so this young man has really made it back. And so they were saying, um, well, how did you feel when you knew that you were going to be at the White House? And um, so they said, well, we came in, and of course, uh, right before the State of the Union, somebody, uh, uh, an aide came to me and said, well, here, here's uh, your tickets to go in and look for the number, your name on the seat. And so he looked at the seating chart, and there he sees him and his son right next to Michelle Obama. And so uh, this is what the, uh, uh, the, uh, the statement is. Sergeant First Class Corey Rensburg's story of courage, struggle, and survival had the entire room in a standing ovation near the end of the State of the Union Address Tuesday as President Obama recognized one of the nation's wounded heroes as a symbol for the country's own resilience. Praising the 30-year-old Army Ranger, Obama said that like the Army he loves, like the America he serves, SFC Corey Remsburg never gives up and he does not quit. And then the dad said, they began to applaud. He said it was an ovation that never ended. They just applauded and applauded Democrats, Republicans, older folks, younger folks, just gave him a standing ovation. You know, today on Palm Sunday, it's about honor. And our young people uh, just gave us a beautiful picture of the issues at hand. And so we want to focus on that this morning. And I'm going to begin with, it, it's a really a legend about an ancient village in Spain. And the villagers learned that the king would pay a visit. In a thousand years, a king had never come to that village. Excitement grew. We must throw a big celebration. The villagers all agreed. But it was a poor village and there weren't many resources. And someone came up with a classic idea. Since many of the villagers made their own wines, the idea was for everyone in the village to bring a large cup of their choice wine to the town square. They said, we'll pour it in a large vat and offer it to the king for his pleasure. And when the king draws a wine to drink, it will be one of the very best that he's ever tasted. The day before the king's arrival, hundreds of people lined up to make their offering to the honored guest. They climbed a small stairway and poured their gift through a small opening at the top. Finally, the vat was full. 
the king arrived and was escorted to the square, given a silver cup, and was told to draw some wine, which represented the best the villages had. He placed the cup under the spigot, turned the handle, and drank the wine. But it was nothing more than water. You see, every villager reasoned, I'll withhold my best wine and substitute water. What with so many cups of wine in the vat, the king will never know the difference. The problem was, everyone thought the same thing. And the king was greatly dishonored. Wow. Palm Sunday is all about honoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because people gave the very best they had. They gave the gift of praise. Now, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of the end for Jesus' earthly life. The first day was to be his last, the first day in what was to be his last week. That weekend would take him to a cross on Friday morning, into a tomb on Friday night, and all day Saturday, and then ultimately resulted in him being raised to life again on the following Sunday morning. So let's stand. We heard a little bit of the text, but let's stand together and read the text from Mark 11, verses 1 through 10. Let's read. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are doing this, tell him the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a coat outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing? Tying that coat. They answered as Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. When they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the field. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. The word of God for the people of God. You may take your seats. Jesus had a mission, and his mission was to save. We saw that beautifully executed in the skit our young people shared with us. And there's always disagreement and skepticism about who Jesus was and what he came to do. But that was his mission to save. It was a Passover the greatest of all Jewish feasts. And people from all over Israel made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate this holy holiday. In the uh, uh, place where I live in Laguna Woods, it's a senior center, and we have many, many Jewish uh, uh, friends who live there. And uh, it was interesting to me to talk to my neighbors right next door, Judy and Jerry. And uh, Judy had a big pot of chicken that she had boiled and um, 
She poured off the, uh, the liquid so she could make matzo balls to get ready for Passover. And they're all in, the, all in their home getting ready and decorating, celebrating the fact that several years ago, thousands of years ago, that the Jews were delivered from slavery because when the death angel passed over the entire part, those who had blood on the post, the angel passed over them and those people were not killed. And so the Jews were spared. And so every year at Passover, this is celebrated. And so this was that time of the year. Now, Jesus already had traveled and taught and performed miracles over the past three years and was making what would turn out to be his last trip to the holy city. He knew what would happen there, how he would be treated, how he would die, but he had a mission. Let me say that again. He had a mission. You see, when you have a mission in life, when you know what your purpose is, when you know what you've been created for, even though you face challenges and things are not going exactly the way you want them to, the mission that you have can drive you on to excellence and self-fulfillment in your life. Jesus had a mission, and his mission was to save. Just a few days earlier, he had made the statement, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. The word Hosanna literally means save. That's what it means. And so the crowd was shouting, Hosanna. Actually, they were saying, save. This man has come to save us. Well, we know from the clips that we watched, everybody wasn't in line with that idea. And when, in any crowd, you always have three kinds of folk. You have the lovers, you have the haters, you have the lookers. The lovers were probably people from Galilee who knew Jesus, and when he came into town, they went, oh, there's Mary's baby. There's the one who grew up in our community, and now look at him. He's a revolutionary. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. In fact, the word is that he's come from God, and he's come to do something. Those were the lovers, probably from Galilee, many of them who knew him. And then there were the lookers, those who uh, were just like, what's going on? I heard about this guy, Jesus. I heard he's healed uh, the sick and raised the dead and blind folks are now see, but I didn't see it happen. But I hear he's coming to town. Let me go see if I can find out what's going on over there. And that's the way it is all the time. Stuff happens, turmoil happens, confusion happens, change happens, and a lot of folks come by, even maybe even come by the church. I just came by to see what's going on. I heard there's some things happening over there, and I don't know about it, but maybe, maybe, maybe something can happen that can impact my life, and so I just came to check it out. I ain't making no commitment now. I'm just checking things out. Those are the lookers, 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 lookers. Well, be careful if you're a looker, my friend, because you'll look right past your destiny. You'll look right past the opportunity that God has put right before you to jump in, to become a part of his movement that can transform your life so that you can transform the world. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. So we got the lovers, we got the lookers, and then we got the haters. <laughs> they were up there, the religious leaders. Sometimes religious people are the worst folks. They criticize you. And in this case, the Pharisees were the haters because they couldn't control Jesus. He represented somebody that operated outside of the system, and he was challenging the status 
quo. You know what the status quo is. The mess I'm in. <laughs> but Jesus came to change all of that. And so that was his mission. And by Jesus' time, Hosanna had become a common shout of Jewish praise to God. So the text says, and we saw it in a little clip, that people were laying cloaks and coats, and they had palm branches. There was excitement in the crowd. Maybe this is my chance. Maybe something is going to really happen here. And they were overtaken by the moment, and they laid down their coats. Well, there was a tremendous scene, and, and some of the haters said to, said to Jesus, uh, you know what, tell your, tell your disciples to shut up. <laughs> and Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. <laughs> so it is, here we are. We sang Hosanna. We read the text, Hosanna. You know, the Bible says they shouted Hosanna, which brings me to our mission. Jesus' mission was to save. Our mission is to praise. You say, well, Pastor Henry, that's it? Yeah, because that's the beginning. Because when we praise him, when we focus on his love, when we focus on God, things happen. This morning, uh, Sunday morning, I, I do a, a, a swim at the pool. So I did my usual thing. When I go to the pool in the morning, uh, I don't go to socialize. I got my exercises. I got my routine. But I've been coming long enough so people know me. And so when I walked in about 7 o'clock, I said, ah, Henry, how's he doing? You know, so I came in. I jump in the water. I'm doing my stuff. So get in the hot tub, and I'm leaving. I'm walking out. And so I said, everybody have a good day. So they said, okay, Henry, you have a good day too. And so one of the guys said to me, uh, be careful out there. It's really rough. And I said, now, some of you know this about me. I am an introvert. I don't really like meeting new people. It's a struggle for me. If I know you, then I'm cool. <laughs> if I don't, I, I have to really work at it. I just rather back stay. I like to hang back and and slowly kind of get into it. So, and, and I'm not quick on my feet, you know, in a moment. So anyway, so he said, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad out there. And I'm thinking, I need to say something about God. So I said, have a blessed day. And so they said, you have a blessed day too. And so then, um, so then the, that message came back to me. Now it's rough out there, it's really bad. And I stopped and I looked at him and I said, you know what? Because they were just telling me about all the bad things that are happening and the people, you know, and the murders and this and that. I said, no, the world is full of the presence and the glory of God. And they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I'm leaving, I could hear them say, yeah, yeah, I, I think God is operating. You know, and you could hear the, <laughs> the murmuring. You know, it's an amazing thing, friends. When you bring God into the conversation, it changes the temperature in the room. And I saw that immediately. I, later on, I wished I had said this, and I wish I had said that. But at least I got that, you know, the glory of God thing out, and it changed their conversation as I was going on. You see, when we praise God, things happen. When we praise God, we enter into the mindset of God. When we praise God and give him the glory, we release his presence 
on our behalf, and we become light in a dark place. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. You know what amen means? It means, so let it be. In the 70s, it would mean, right on, right on. <laughs> At River 47, when I asked for amen, I asked for a double amen. Can I get a double amen? Amen, amen. 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 And so when we praise him, and not just give him a patty cake praise, but when we really praise him. You know, the Bible says, shout unto the Lord. Some of us, we want to praise God, but there are few things that get in the way when we try to praise God. And so let me talk about some of those. One of them, even though our mission is to praise, is pride. Everybody say pride. pride. Now, we may not want to admit it, but perhaps pride stands in the way of our praise. I wonder if sometimes we might overlook pride as it relates to praise by referring to it as temperament. You know what? That's just not my style. I'm a little bit more reserved. I'll tell you someone who is not reserved. Roberto Benigni. He's the Italian guy who won the Oscar for the best actor several years ago from the film Life is Beautiful. At the Oscars, upon hearing his name, Roberto leaped to his feet, threw his arms in the air, <laughs> skipped across the tops of the seats, bounded to the stage, squeezed Sophia Lawrence so tightly that he nearly crushed her, and then he rambled in half English and half Italian about this being a moment of colossal joy and wanting to kiss everybody and die in this ocean of generosity. This being the same man who once bear-hugged the Pope, kissing him over and over while calling him Babu or Daddy, leading the Pope to say, you're very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto would have fit right in at Palm Sunday. He would fit right in. Unreserved praise and adoration. And so when it comes to praising God, oh, I have been a fan, and I still am, of Yassel Puig of the Dodgers. He's a phenomenal player. He was voted the player of the year in June, and he's got phenomenal talent. This boy came in from Cuba, and then after just a few days, he's hitting home runs, throwing people out. And one time at Dodger Stadium, all he did after he hit a home run was peek out of the dugout, and a roar went up in the crowd. They started cheering, and, you know, like he's going to save the, the whole uh, Dodger world and everything like that. In fact, his enthusiasm did turn the Dodger season around. It was spectacular. But what did he do to deserve all that? What did he do? He's a ball player. Jesus is the king of kings. He deserves more than a little patty cake. Hosanna. Amen. Praise the Lord. No, the scripture says they shouted. I wonder if there's some shouters in the morning who can say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, you're getting warmed up here right now. Oh, when we get to the end, we have an opportunity to stand to our feet. When we get to the end of this message, which is shortly, to stand to our feet and give him some praise. Listen, he's deserving of our praise. Do we want to just, at the last minute, make the, I was going to use another word, but... I can't think of the word, and I don't want to use that one. <laughs> but do we want to do what those villagers did in that talk about that uh, tale from Spain, and, and they were supposed to give the best wine, and at the last minute, 
they thought, well, I'll just put water in there. You know, this is Palm Sunday, and we ought to just give the best praise we can come up with. But there's other people here who give good praise, so I'll just throw in my little itty-bitty praise. I'll just be nominal. I just don't want to make any waves. Listen, friends, God has done so much for us. He's come that we might have life. He's doing his job to transform. Oh, he'll transform your life. It doesn't make any difference where you are in your life, what challenges you face. You might have economic challenges. You might have relational challenges. I met with a beautiful couple this morning who were planning to get married in October. And they came, and, and uh, they're a beautiful Korean couple. And they just came. They met, actually, the churches were renting this place. And so they met here. There are two churches. And so they came. So it's kind of a nostalgic thing for them. And so they want to have so I sat there and I was counseling. I wasn't counseling. I was sharing with them the process of premarital counseling. And they were sitting there. I looked at the two of them and their eyes are like, goo goo. <laughs> they're smiling and they're looking at me and they're looking at each other and they're in love. And I was thinking, how wonderful that is. But months will go by. And those goo-goos will change to kill him. <laughs> He's getting on my last nerve. She's forgotten all about me. And at that moment, at those times, those of us who've been married know that you need something beyond just a feel-good feeling. You need to experience God's love that loves us in spite of. That's how we have the capacity to move on, friends. God sees me. He sees my inconsistencies. He sees my good intentions, but he watches how even though I don't intend to, I hurt the people that I love. And I've been smart enough to be able to say, wait a minute, God, because your word says if you confess, if we confess our sins, if we'll admit it, some of us will stonewall our junk. But thanks be to God, when I can confess, Lord, I blew it. Guess what? There's forgiveness, and then there's restoration, and then there's healing, and then there's celebration. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Praise be to his wonderful, matchless name. And when we praise him, when we honor him, when we serve him, when we love him, things change. So sometimes pride gets away. Then sometimes fear. You know, it's like, well, I don't know if it takes all that. And if I really... If I'm that expressive or that emotional, uh, I don't know what people will think about me. And so fear will stop us. Sometimes hurt, wounds from the past. Some of us have been hurt deeply. And we're actually in that third category, not just lovers, lookers, but we're haters. We actually hate God. You say, what, Pastor? I would never admit to that. Yeah, some of us. We're mad at God. But you know what? If you'll take the time to step back, you'll see that some of your greatest challenges are related to the fact that you and I are capable of shooting our own self in the foot. <laughs> Poor choices that we make. Or, and this is sad, but it's true. Or, poor choices that someone else has made that impacts us. But either way, it's not God. He's a loving God. You know what? In the uh, video clip we just saw, you heard people mumbling about Jesus. 
He's coming in on donkey. What kind, what kind of, you know, a donkey? What is that? But actually, in Palestinian days and in ancient times, if a king or a ruler came in on a white or a big stallion, there was a sign that he was going to run over the people and that this is a new day and you're going to have to do it my way or the highway. And they knew they were in for tyranny and for hard times because they were taking over and they were going to put a stranglehold on you. But when a king, when a deliverer, when a ruler, when a mighty king came in on the donkey, that was a sign of peace. That was a sign of love. That yes, I've got power. Yes, I've got the opportunity, but I'm, I'm bringing peace. I'm bringing love. I'm bringing concern for the people. And even though you've had some hard times, the word to you is that God has a plan. And if you praise him, if you lift up your voices and really praise him, he can make a difference. Let me close with this. And then we're going to read Psalm 150 together. That's how we're going to close. You know, Psalm 150 is the end of the Psalter. It's the last psalm in the book of Psalms, which are all about praise. And for your own reading, when you get home, read Psalm 147 and then 148 and then 149. It's all about praise. And then it ends with Psalm 150. And that's the way we're going to end. But when my kids were real small, I used to put on gospel music and I would turn, pump the sound up. And my kids and everybody in the house, we would just start dancing and singing. When uh, Grace came in, was it Grace who invited me to, to come up here? Uh, she came. I said, what are we doing up here? And so I, I came up to start dancing. And then I got the idea, oh, I got to go and get somebody else and bring them up to dance. The only thing is, you know, when you're 69 hitting 70, you only got a little dance left in you. <laughs> so you got to I said, I better stay up here <laughs> and do my thing. But back in the younger days, we put the music on and we'd be dancing and carrying on. And it would be good, good music, you know, good gospel music and stuff off the radio the kids liked and that we liked. And it would be fun. And then sometimes, though, you know, kids are like this. I would sense that they, they needed to, they, they had a lot more energy than I did. And I needed a way to let that energy out. And so we had what we call 10 seconds of insanity. And so what I would say to them, okay, kids, family, for the next, whoever's in the house, whoever's there would join in. I said, for 10 seconds, you know, we've been dancing and singing praises to God, but now we're going to tear the roof off of this place. And for 10 seconds, make as much noise as you can. So, by the way, uh, Michael, both Michaels on the drums, on the keyboards, get to the, get to the instruments right now. You all come up here, because in a moment, we're going to stand, and we're going to make some noise. And so the way we would do it is I would just say, now, watch me now, and I would count down. Five, four, three, two. And I said, now, you can make as much noise as you want. They said, Daddy, as much? I said, yes, the top of your lungs, just let it go. And then they would just go, yeah, and they would start screaming, yes. And listen, let me tell you what you can scream. You can scream, Hosanna. You can scream, yes. Yes, God, I want your will. I want your way. I want your power. Uh, you, can say, you can say, blessed be him who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Jesus, you're wonderful. Or you can just say, yay, whatever you want to do. But the key is, we're going to stand. We all do it together. And then when I cut you off, everybody cuts off together. So 
Bring it down. And that's exactly what happened. We would do that, and then I would cut it off because it would just be about six or seven seconds. Because you know that when you kind of make that kind of noise, you can't do that for too long. <laughs> then we would cut it off, and they, my kids, they would fall on the ground laughing. Oh, Danny, that was so good. Let's do it again. <laughs> and then we do it one more. But there's something exhilarating about praising God. And so we get to the end of this, and you'll see when we get to the end, it says praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him with the drums. Praise him with the timbrels. Praise him with the voices. And then down at the bottom it says, and let everything, hallelujah, you've got breath, let everything that hath breath. Everybody stand up. Come on, let's read Psalm 150 together. And uh, we got, didn't we have a guitarist over here? Yeah, yeah. Now, now, I don't want anybody on the mic singing because we are the choir. We are the choir, those instruments. But now, when I give the signal, Oh, you on the keyboard? You, is your is your? Cause I wanted a nice strong. Uh, no, no, not the organ, man. Give me a, give me a strong synth uh, patch on there. Something really big. And on the drums, Michael, just boom, boom, just as loud as you can. Just bam, just just bam, bam, bam. Yeah, you can throw it. You can do whatever you want. Okay, here we go. Psalm 150. Let me pull it up here so we've got it. And it should be on the screen in front of you. By the way, Psalm 29.9 says this. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. In his temple, everyone if I were going Ebonics here, it would be in his temple, everybody. <laughs> everybody. Everyone shouts. Let me hear everyone shout, glory. Glory. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, let's read Psalm 150 together. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let it rip. That was pretty good. One more time at the count of three. One, two, three. That was pretty good. <laughs> Let's give the Lord a hand clap and a hand praise. You say, Pastor Henry, what was all that all about? Here's what it is. It's easy to praise God when we're all together and we got the instruments 
and the beautiful music and the wonderful occasion. It's harder to praise him when it's not going the way you want. It's harder to praise him when you're disappointed. But when we exercise faith and the discipline of praise, we release God's power in our life. Amen. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you that you remind us on this Palm Sunday that your mission was to save and transform us. And then when we confess you as Lord, you will do the work. And our mission is to learn to praise you, to be thankful that all you've done, to recognize your power and your greatness. And then, Lord, when we recognize that, you'll do even more. So I pray in this moment, if there are those of us who have not made that decision to accept you as Lord, that we'll say yes to your will and yes to your way. We'll experience your forgiveness and a transformed life. Father, we don't want to be lookers or haters. We want to be lovers. For God so loved the world that he gave. Because we've received so much, Lord, we can give out of your fantastic storehouse of love. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.